This is Social Life, the podcast from Social Communications. Social is a complete communications agency. From stakeholder engagement, political communications and PR, to marketing, creative and design, we have an award-winning reputation for getting results for a broad range of clients across both the public and private sectors. My name's Seb Patrick and I'm your host for this series of podcasts in which we'll tell you a bit more about ourselves and the work we do, share some of our expertise and insight into the fields we operate in, as well as giving a spotlight to some of our clients and their own work and specialisms. This time around we've got a full house in the social studio as we're welcoming three of our team to talk about nationally significant infrastructure projects, or to avoid anyone else having to stumble over saying that in full over the next half hour, NSIPs. So please say hello to Head of Major Projects Michael Vivona. Hello. Southwest Director Amy Bodie. Hello. And Group Director Pete Rathmull. Hello, Seb. Hello, team. So, at Social, we offer specialised consultation services for large-scale, high-profile infrastructure projects. By infrastructure, we mean all those projects that form the backbone of the UK. The homes we live in, the water we drink, the energy we use, the transport we rely on. We like to think we bring a different approach to public consultations for NSIP planning. But Amy, if I can start with you first, why do we do things differently? Good question. Um, As part of the NSIP process, there's lots of boxes to tick, and that can sometimes feel a bit um, scientific. Um, So at Social, we do things a bit differently. We know with NSIPs, there's lots of boxes to tick um, to be compliant in the planning process um, and to get sure your DCO, your development consent order, is compliant. Um, However, we know it's really important for your stakeholders, the public and your statutory consultees, that they feel that they are actually engaged in the process and that they have a say. Um, It's also important for you as the developer to develop the best possible project for the area that you're working in um, and for the rest of the UK, because as you said, Seb, um, these are nationally significant infrastructure projects, so they're important um, across the UK. Um, There's lots of consultations going on in people's lives, um, and there's definitely a a well-known Um, syndrome called consultation fatigue Um, so to have a conversation with someone and make it a little bit different is uh, is, is a good way of communicating with people Um, genuine dialogue is really important it makes people become aware they they listen a bit more to you um, engage and they actually get heard and then you can respond to them Um, gives you a better project Um, there's lots of other things you can do around being more innovative um, making the communications tailored and um, one thing that we pride ourselves on social is going to where people congregate. So from pub to parliament is one of our strap lines and actually meeting people where they already are rather than expecting them to come to us. I, I just add to that, I think <clears throat> the social communications approach to consultation has always been to combine that sort of high level political and stakeholder engagement, which is often sort of, it can be the start and the finish point for some uh, consultation processes, but it's actually to marry that with a real focus on communities and that and that um, ability and willingness to spend the time to um, get to know the priorities of residents in a particular area um, and to then be able to respond respond to their sort of requirements and to genuinely involve them in the process. I think the most success, successful um, consultation processes that we've been involved in is when we've had that community involvement and buy-in to the process they've felt valued the voices are being listened to and they're helping to shape a proposal you know and that works from the the smallest housing scheme right up to the biggest motorway 
um, nuclear power plant, the same principles apply. So it's deploying that sort of social communications approach uh, in the NSIP arena. Absolutely. The knowledge is often held locally and that is really important when you're developing a scheme to have take, take note of that information that happens. It may not be information that you can find from a desk-based research. Mm-hmm. It's held within the people's lives who live there and operate on a daily basis, be it environmental knowledge, be it information about their community, what would work, what wouldn't work for a development. And you can, as I mentioned before, you can create that best project for that region um, for you, but also for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the thing, really. I think we need to go beyond you know, traditional village halls where people, you know, if you're angry about something, you normally turn up. As I say, it's cliche, but, you know, the silent majority, but as Amy says, you need to go to them, you need to go to them and ask their opinion and get them involved. And that's the only way you're going to li- deliver projects which everyone would, you know, hopefully, if not support, at least understand the rationale behind it um, and realise why it's coming forward. I think for, for too long we spend... Uh, too much time engaging with the proverbial Mrs. Miggins, who's always got an opinion about um, a development who might be anti about, about something. But, you know, we need to go um, wider and further than that, really. Yeah, and I think it's also um, not being afraid to engage a community or a stakeholder group either. Um, you know, it shouldn't be a default position with any sort of project, whatever the scale, that um, the consultation and the community engagement is, is a bit of a pain in the neck and it's going to be a difficult process to go through. I think by, by sort of presenting a scheme in the right way, thinking about the narrative, um, buying in and committing to a, a proper engagement process, it can be a very sort of positive aspect of, of the communications around a, around a, a large-scale infrastructure, infrastructure proposal. That's the thing. I think sometimes you get um, some clients a lot more different than others really in how they approach consultations, but it's almost... Something you have to do, you know, don the flat flat jackets, go to go to the consultation. As I said, if you can get that genuine dialogue going at a very very early stage, mm. um, you're more likely to find that those public consultations, public events, are a lot you know less feisty. You know. Yeah, and you can see it as an information gathering exercise for your your development and your project. Well, from a technical point of view, in terms of you know whether it's planning, yeah, access absolutely. arrangements or routes of rail track or whatever it might yeah I mean I worked on a, a project before um, for an electrical system and um, the environment agency flood map showed that this location had no flooding whereas engaging with the public they sent us in well after speaking to an exhibition event they sent us in photos of knee high water um, in a place where we potentially being an electrical substation mm. um, and we wouldn't have known that if we hadn't gone out and spoken to them so I think there's definitely information you can gather from them the practical benefit around the actual delivery never mind just seeing it as a process to mm. secure yeah. a planning permission it's actually yeah. making sure it is deliverable and works effectively when it's when it's constructed yeah absolutely and nationally significant infrastructure projects are long-term huge projects that are going to be there for a long a, mm. a long while so these people the communities you're speaking to will be your neighbors during the the planning mm. process through construction um through operation so you want to build those relationships to ensure that going forward you can have a successful project that works for you and works for the local area going back to what michael said earlier about um meeting people in the village hall and same sort of people coming out if they're cross about a, um, a development, it's also getting a wider demographic of people by going out to different locations, engaging through different channels, etc. 
So what is the picture then of a consultation for a large-scale NSIP project? Um, you know, what, what does that generally and traditionally look like, and, and particularly in regards to the kind of thing that we would look to not necessarily move away from, but just, just evolve and expand upon? And, and how do they work in comparison to a more local consultation or, or planning project? I think traditionally developers would they'd obviously write a a SOC, which is a statement of community consultation, and then they would follow that to the letter um, and not often do things over and above that. So you, again, tick those tick boxes, but not kind of engage in a slightly more meaningful way. So that the SOC would include things like putting notifications in various different newspapers, local and national. It would include positioning papers such as um, your environmental information for the project at various different libraries, and it would then do the normal kind of programme of community events, um, public exhibitions in, as Michael mentioned, often in dusty village halls. Um, and these are all requirements, aren't they, in terms yeah. of the, the, the NSIP process. The, this, is, this is a procedure, it's quite sort of legalistic, that you've got to follow that path and step by step go through a, a consultation process. I think the, the comparison with non-NSIP is that there's much more flexibility to consult how you see fit, and in and in some cases that that can be done in a very sort of minimal sort of way if 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 um, it's not felt to be required in in some cases for for projects. But equally, there's often more scope to to think more creatively, perhaps in a non-NSIP consultation, because you don't have these sort of very clear requirements to fulfil. And I think. That's where the opportunity, from our point of view, of social communications is, is to sort of, the message is, let's not get constrained by the procedural and, and legalistic requirements of an MSIP consultation. That almost should be a sort of minimum requirement, and let's build on that. And, and in terms of you know, thinking about what you want to get out of your consultation, you know, it shouldn't be, we want to tick all the boxes and be compliant you know, the, the, the goal for the engagement process should be to reach those people, the hard-to-reach groups who wouldn't normally engage, to engage effectively with younger people and the generation who will in all likelihood be benefiting from the infrastructure you're talking about. So I think it's just a different mindset and to, to kind of get away from the procedure and the, um, the sort of step-by-step and to, 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 to have a bit more sort of commitment to it, really. Yeah, absolutely. Because, as you mentioned, those younger generations, because they're the ones benefiting, are also the ones more likely to support your project. Mm. Um, they will benefit from whatever it's bringing, so the energy it produces, the, the, the transport links that it gives you, the jobs that it brings, the investment that it brings. But they're also the people that you need to engage just because if you don't, you're missing a massive mm-hmm. section of the demographic. But yeah, I would say the stuff that the, that PINs require you to do is the bare minimum mm-hmm. and everything else around will will help your project, it will help the local community and it will give you a, a much better um, situation in which to build your project. And reputationally as a, for a company as well, if you can be known as a, a responsible developer then that's going to be great for you going forward in the projects that you you decide to undertake. Mm. I suppose it, just, it makes your life easier going forward if you, if you adopt that approach. Yeah. Um, yeah As in future projects. Future that, projects, that, yeah. That you've got that sort of footprint and reputation built exactly. from the last one mm. that, and you're moving on to the next power station, you know, high-speed rail track. Yeah, you've got that reputation there. So how would you really look then to emphasise 
that point of difference in terms of what social can do and, and the ways that you can expand upon what sounds like, uh, a, a, if not a restrictive framework, then certainly you know a, a number of conditions that have to be done have to be met. If people do it that way because that's the you mm. know the, the the laid down way of doing it, how then would you look to to build upon that and expand that in in what ways? Well, I think I think there's a there's a couple of things actually that that I've sort of reflected on in in terms of the strategy for this sort of this sort of consultation process and the, the first being the narrative and, and making sure that is right before before engagement and consultation begins i think i think what happens with a lot of NSIP projects is they fall into the trap of focusing on the piece of engineering this piece of infrastructure um rather than what it will do for people and their lives and their, their quality of life um how fundamentally how it will benefit them so uh, you know and thinking about how infrastructure that we already use so for example a motorway we don't enjoy using a motorway because it's got loads of concrete nice bridges stylish gantries we like using motorways when they work effectively because it gets you from a to b quicker and that opens up a lot of opportunity for you, whether it's access to jobs, being able to work in different locations, whether it's access to sort of cultural and tourism sort of attractions, whatever it might be, that's what you enjoy and that's the benefit you get from a motorway. And therefore, when you're proposing a new one, let's not focus so much on the steel and the concrete and even the the sort of route and the nice curves it's got and and so on. Let's focus on what it will mean to people who are then using it in 10, 15, 20 years' time, however long it'll take to deliver. So, you know, I think I think an, an example of that that we see a lot in the news at the moment is HS2 and how that has been positioned and how it has been, how it has suffered from, I think, being called high-speed, high-speed mm. rail, you know, and, and there's almost a sort of a retrofitting of a narrative at the moment, and it's been going on for some time, that says it's called high-speed, but it's not just about the speed. You know, that's only part of the story. Um, it's about capacity. It's about a, a, a separate route that will take freight away from passengers. It's about um, having a, a, a sort of robust transport infrastructure network that's fit for the 21st century. Um, so, you know, I think I think if if there was a, a if they had the time again with HS2, you know, maybe they'd have called it something different, so that they would they would be clear at that point. So I think that 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 first bit about narrative is is really important um in terms of engagement you know we've 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 talked around what it is we're trying to achieve through the engagement and not being procedural and not just doing the minimum um and and i think it's about ambition these these projects are national in scale they're they're hugely ambitious and the consultation and the communication generally should should reflect that um it shouldn't be a tick box tick box exercise well, that's a fair, a fair point. If you look at, I said, even Northern Powers Rail has done that. I think arguably a better job about positioning itself in, in that narrative, hasn't it? About what it, it's connecting those cities, you know, Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, and the others. You know, and it provides opportunities, provides jobs, mm-hmm. um, and they've been very clear about all the benefits it, it would bring. Um, and I, I think that's obviously you know it seems to be a much better template, isn't yeah. it? Really. Yeah, and that's a good way to engage a wider demographic again because people will see what will be good for them, it will be good for their children, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a really good way of getting more people engaged in a topic which maybe they wouldn't have normally got engaged with uh, if they can see how it will really impact their lives 
now in the future and future generations. And that, that future generations is, is key, isn't it? And even just talking about it now, it sort of it just <laughs> emphasises again how important it is to get the, the, the younger voice in this sort of infrastructure space and it's not a natural point of discussion for 16 year olds at the moment you know high speed rail or Mm -hmm. or, you know energy um, power plants whatever it might be but actually you know whether it's engaging digitally which is you know the the most obvious sort of place to get to how you use social media with these kind of consultation events but doing it in a way that get gets them involved because ultimately that's the generation the next generation is what these things are, are being built for that does bring me on. So I was going to ask, actually, you know, not just at a we talked about a kind of wider strategy and approach and narrative level, but what are some of those kind of more kind of on the ground and, and more granular kind of tactics that you would that you would look to employ in or, in order to see a consultation successfully through? Yeah, I think there are many. I think one of the things we've been developing is developing uh, a consultation chatbot that is that you can engage with a much bigger. Um, a group of people about a scheme and, and do it on their own terms. Um, you know, launch through you know for Facebook Messenger. Many many uh, companies already do that. Do this already, but in terms of how it's applied in consultations, it's it's, it's quite minimal really, and it should be um, used far more widely. Um, obviously, I think a lot of consultations pay a degree of. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's that sense they already use you know lots of social media ads but they can be much better targeted I think it's something we've used in some of our um, projects which I'll, I'll talk about later on really um, focusing on those key benefits those long term uh, benefits for people that will really see um, the positives of these infrastructure projects uh, what do they want to hear really rather than just focusing on the here and now and how it could be built and what what it might look like. You know, we've done all sorts. I think, you know, um, people remember this, you know, double-decker bus. Oh, fondly, uh, fondly remember. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Going village to village, talking to people, bringing him on board. Um, uh, you know, and that, and that is a, a really good example. It's clearly not a high-tech digital option of engagement, but that was absolutely born out of the same, the same sort of discussion and, and mindset of trying to consult differently. And, you know, yes, it allowed us to... Um, reach people who wouldn't have, have come along to an event um, and to sort of get around a number of different locations but it also demonstrated that the developer in, in this case was was genuinely committed to the to the consultation process and I think that 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 demonstration of that genuine commitment it was a genuine commitment um, you know that that goes a long way to get get it getting a, a proper dialogue going with a with a community and with a with a sort of different audience who would otherwise it would just pass them by really and it's also a talking point isn't it you know absolutely uh, uh, an exhibition in a, a local hall or a double decker bus it's something that will get into the media it will get talked about absolutely. you know someone will say well did you see that yesterday mm-hmm. um so it's something that will generate its own awareness and then hopefully bring people to it yeah and that is just one example, and, and you know there, there are others, but it's that mindset, it's that approach that this is not just going to be the same process that you see elsewhere. And that's what we want as social communications, want to um, ensure that we're delivering with every NSIT project that we're working on. Do you think, just with uh, when you talked there about um, kind of public attention and, and publicity in a sense, do you think being an organisation like social communications where 
we have that integrated approach and you know we have we have a kind of PR team and a consultation team and even a marketing team as well kind of all working together does it benefit being able to actually draw on the approach of, of those different disciplines and actually maybe bring a little bit of PR into consultations in order to to get that awareness yeah undoubtedly and I you know being able to draw on genuine specialists and experts in different fields of of communications is is more important now than ever you know back to social media we employ a social media specialist our digital strategist jade uh so that wherever we are operating in the country whatever the client in whether it's a an NSIP consultation or or otherwise we've got someone there who has that real specialism deep understanding that makes sure that activity is not just sort of piecemeal and again sort of ticking a box we'll set up a twitter account it's actually engaging the right audience and demographic that we need it to um and yeah that that same approach applies whether it's across pr the design of materials that we're able to do um or any other disciplines really yeah i agree and the fact that our digital strategist, our creative team, our marketing team, everyone has had that experience in infrastructure. Um, they're not a, 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 just a normal marketing team that's not done that before. Um, and we've all worked together and we're all in-house, we're all together as one company. Um, it just makes it, it, it everything that, that sort of one step better. Um, and it also means that... Um, for the client, it's a seamless approach. So we can talk sort of theoretically, if you like, about the strategy and the approach uh, as we have done. But what are some examples of us actually having done that in practice? What are some sort of good uh, examples that you, that you can talk about? Michael, I'm looking to you as, as head of major, major projects. Uh, yeah, yeah no, a number of projects. Uh, we're sort of going beyond um, just gen- you know normal compliance. I think GPE is a great example. Kilston Park Estate, uh, which is a garden town scheme for 10,000 homes in Hertfordshire. Uh, we've been working on that for the last five years, uh, engaging local communities and uh, councillors. As Pete mentioned, you know, we, oh, I mentioned earlier, we did a branded double-decker bus around local villages, community drop-in events in local pub beer gardens. We've gone on the local high street talking about schemes. And sometimes you get a bit more more than you bargain for. I remember um, one in Harlow where we, you know, we had to compete with a... Um, an opera singer who was literally just <laughs> a few meters down down the high street singing Ride of the Valkyries and I tell you that was quite a bit of dramatic music so was, a, was the opera singer opposed to the, uh, no no I think she was, she was just there um, it was just um, well I wouldn't say unfortunate timing but it, just, it certainly gave a more dramatic feel feel to the consultation really I suppose the principal aim there really is to engage people who wouldn't ordinarily participate in these um, consultations but you know their opinion is no less valuable uh, and then the ones that, as I said earlier, you know, turn up to the, the village halls on the Thursday night to object to plans. Um, and I suppose it's, it's psychological, really. If you're happy with a scheme, you, you tend not to be quite vocal. Whereas if you're an opponent, you, you're very keen to get out there and, you know, and um, have your say, really. And that's the point, really. You need to engage that group of people that are generally happy with a scheme. But we're probably on the Thursday night, realistically, you know, you're going to stay in and watch the football, spend time with your family, really. So we need to go out there and... Um, talk to them where, where they are you know when they're doing you know they're shopping when they're on the high street you know if it's you know digitally engaging with them on you know on social media uh, just going where they are really and that's what makes a, a more effective um, consultation process really another project where we've um, tried to use more innovative methods is our award-winning uh, work with the greater cambridge partnership which is a um, one billion pound infrastructure investment uh, in transport around greater cambridge and last year, we um, supported them and developed the uh, Big Conversation campaign, which I'm sure Amy 
remember very well. Very well. It's um, you know we we stood outside um, Cambridge United uh, football games. We sorted out a um, mobile surveys on the high street, of kind of like a daily politics style um, vote to engage people about issues, about what they thought was important um, in their lives. You know what would be the key transport um, benefit they would like to see, really. And that's 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 ways of you know making it more effective, not producing. You know, ten-page surveys about what they'd like to see happen. You know, you know, going to local libraries and putting a number of leaflets there. You know, it's going where people are really, and that's that's a more effective way to do consultation, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in Cambridge, we did lots of pop-ups as well in local markets, um, at train stations, um, park and ride uh, stations as well, where the commuters would be going to be, and obviously we time those during rush hour but then a little bit after for people who are say commuting into Cambridge to go shopping so we got a wide range of um, demographic but also people the, the intentions of using that transport giving us some really good information for the consultation and also for developing that that scheme going forward and as Michael mentioned we launched it at the the local football club it just got us in front of a different range of people and a lot of the people hadn't heard of what the, the the project was trying to achieve previously to that, and now they know about it. So it was it was a great campaign, as you say, it won an award as well for a community relations campaign, which is fantastic. So based on that sort of experience, what have you found to be challenges that are distinct to to working in in this area on on these particular types of projects? I guess it's quite similar to consultation um, on on any sorts of projects, anything that is going to change people's status quo on their, in their day-to-day lives often creates resistance whether people don't quite understand what's going to change or kind of imagine the worst. Um, I've worked on quite a few NSIP projects um, in energy, um, on electrical systems, so big um, uh, cable, cable routes and big substation infrastructure um, and also offshore wind farms. Um, and... As I say, the, the the normal opposition in terms of how it's going to look and um, how it's going to impact on people's day-to-day lives during construction, they're, they're always the ones brought up, so the kind of normal NIMBY stuff. And I think that, that happens with NSIPs as much as it does with any consultation um, on big infrastructure projects. And again, it's if you go and you speak to people, you're always going to get those concerns, and it's all about how you... Um, deal with those concerns, how you react to them and how you respond to them. Sometimes they're genuine concerns that people, that developers need to take on board um, and sometimes they're ones that need to be placed in context or questions that need to be answered and concerns that can be um, dispelled, really. I think there is a particular challenge for NSIP, though, which is which is that question of, you know, what's, what's in it for me? And I, and I think because they're of that national scale, you might li- live close to or within sight of an offshore wind farm but are you directly going to feel the benefit of that or you might live next to a high-speed rail track but you're nowhere near a train station mm. so what's the what's the benefit for me and that is different from from sort of standard inverted commas consultation because genuinely whether it's a housing scheme or a retail site or some town centre regeneration you're talking to the local community around there which if nothing else they'll be able to use those or, or you know look to live in the new homes use the new facilities whatever it might be so there's a sort of a, a message thread there that is in place with more local planning consultation work that just isn't there often with with NSIP and and again that, that's where the consideration really needs to be given in terms of how that is sort of that that message is developed 
and that is is the sort of wider benefits that we all feel from improved infrastructure whether it's reliability of an energy source or a renewable energy source um, improved transport connections between big cities that the economic the sort of lifestyle benefits that all these things can bring but often that that sort of that starting point can get overlooked yeah and that goes back to as you mentioned earlier pete about the having a really strong narrative right from the very Mm. beginning um that covers all those points and working together with other developers in your sector to ensure that the sector itself has strong messaging as to why these projects are required and working with industry bodies and working with government to make sure that these messages are consistent and people understand them so you know we need renewables to keep the lights on we need new motorways to keep to keep the economy moving to keep transport moving and it's all bringing it back to to that again so where do you see the the opportunities lying then for social to expand further in into this area um, yes, yeah, so we're already working in the national uh, rail infrastructure sector, um, helping uh, clients like Mace um, raise their profile. We're also working um, in fields such as energy, um, and also, as I mentioned earlier, those uh, key um, highway projects. So I think it's something that we're always keen to have a conversation, we're always keen to have a dialogue, and yeah, we're always happy to help, really. What, what are the starting points then for a, for a conversation and an engagement about that? Yeah, sure. So people can contact us through the, uh, our website, our contact details are there. Alternatively, we're always in uh, networking events. You know, just this week, we're at the NIP Annual Dinner on the 20th of November. So yeah, if you're there, come over and speak to us. Michael, Amy and Pete, thank you very much for your insights. Thanks, Thank Ed. you. Thanks, Ed. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this slice of social life, you can find more episodes at our website, social-communications.co.uk, and you can also listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes and all good Android podcatchers. You can follow us on Twitter at social underscore comms, and of course we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you're a fan of the show, please do leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. We'll be back next time with a look at another area of social's complete communications offering. So until then, goodbye from Michael, Amy and Pete. Bye. Bye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>